You know, something somebody told me at IBM um, before I left was, one, there's two quotes that I really live by. If you don't believe in yourself, why should anybody else? One, that's Ooh. one of the biggest quotes that I live by. If I don't believe I could be number one, why would anybody else think I could be number one? Yeah. Like, that's the energy I should have when that's I wake real. up. Um, and two, somebody told me your professionalism is a reflection of you. So if you don't care about it, that says a lot about how you feel about yourself. Wow. Yeah. And I'll never forget that because I asked him, I was like, how come you're just so professional? Like, why do you care like so much? And he's like, why don't you care? Ooh. Why don't you care about what you do every day and what you wake up to put in the effort to do? Like, why half-ass it? Like, why yeah. give 75% of it, you know? Yeah. And the more that I've had that mentality, the easier it becomes to be number one because most people don't come in with that mentality. Yo, so one of the things we talk about so much is tech sales. A lot of people think that sales engineering is a tech sales role, and I have to correct people and let people know it's it's pre-sales, but it's not technically tech sales. And one of the things that I've noticed is that many people that are very new to this tech industry, especially people who are finding out about tech through myself or through Tech as a New Black, they tend to think, well, Cyrus, you chose sales engineering, so that must be where all of the money is at, that must be where all of the opportunity is at, so we wanna do that over tech sales. And one of the things I have to correct people on is, yo, if you're trying to get in this industry and you wanna make money, it's like, tech. there's a huge bag in tech sales. Don't think just because I chose sales engineering that tech sales is not a big, big bag. Uh, and so we've had dope guests on who've talked about tech sales, who've given us some some pretty cool insights, but we've yet to have someone on here that talks about tech sales that's a senior in the industry. Uh, and even on top of that, we haven't had someone that's talked about it that works, uh, that does tech sales with enterprise level companies. So again, we have very small business, that's VSB, small business, medium-sized business, mid-market, and then you have enterprise which is the big 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 companies with all the big 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 bucks so we have a guest on today that is really crazy she's scaled to being a senior level enterprise in tech sales in only eight years so man please give a virtual round of applause leave some clapping emojis for those of y'all that are watching this uh, after the fact to our guest kayla burks Hey, y'all. What's going on? <laughs> Yo, Kayla, thank you so much uh, for being on here. Uh, this is actually really dope. I was really, uh, I know we, we recently connected on social. Right. And like when I, I like saw your, your your resume, your LinkedIn resume and stuff, I said, yo, this will be major. because we, we interview a lot of people that are in tech sales, but the vast majority are entry level or they've only been in for a couple years and they've right. done dope stuff. But it's like seeing someone like yourself, someone who also drops a lot of gems, a lot of nuggets, information. I say, yo, this would be a dope opportunity right. to have like, you know, just a just a beautiful woman of color on here as well to talk about all of her knowledge. So, yeah, we're very grateful to have you on. Awesome. It's a pleasure to be here. And I'm really excited to be able to, you know, just share my knowledge and share some of the tips on how I've navigated in this industry, especially, like you said, as a woman of color, more yeah. importantly, um, and just how I've like been able to. I feel like get to an enterprise level and kind of the strategy that I had behind that when mm -hmm. I was a, you know, I, I actually started as a sales engineer. I don't know if people know. Oh, I so, didn't see that under the hold up. Yeah. So the thing is, you know, you know, at different companies, they call different things. different They roles. do. So, yeah. So they'll <laughs> call it one thing, but you'll right. be doing a, another So they job. called me like a business development manager, I guess. But it was definitely a sales, sales engineer. engineer. <laughs> Um, so I got finessed into that. Um, but yeah. yeah, I came through the IBM Summit program. So yeah. that's how I got started. Um, and if you're not familiar with that, they pretty much choose about 
two to three hundred people a year around the nation. Um, and I went through, I think, seven or eight. Interviews. Wait, hold up, hold up. You jumping ahead. You jumping ahead. You jumping ahead. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. But no. Um, so, so want to know your full story. So with your full story, what were you doing? Like, what was life like for Kayla Burks before tech? Like, before what were you tech? doing before tech? And, um, what, and what sparked the, oh, oh I should check out this. tech. Okay. So I went to Florida State. Um, I got a degree in information communication and technology, but I was really torn. So when I was going to college, I didn't know if I wanted to do communications because as you can see, I'm like very active online with content. I'm, I'm very well, uh, well versed, I feel like, when it comes to communication and I was like, do I want to do this or do I want to be in tech? But I've always had a desktop in my room since I was a kid, which is a privilege, obviously. Um, but uh, I would be coding like MySpace layouts. Like I was like always on a computer. Like yeah. it didn't really just start. Even my high school required us to have computers in school. So um, I feel like my relationship with technology started when I was really a kid. And yeah. when I got to Florida State, I actually went there as an undecided major and I was evaluating computer science or communications, which are just so vast. Very, um, yeah, very different. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I just Googled, like I went on Google and I was like, what will be the highest paid I was job? about to be like, is that what you Googled? <laughs> Where the money was at? I was like, in 2017, I graduated, I ended up graduating early in 2016, but um, I was at the time I was like, in 2017, what will be the highest paid career? And I remember going in with the uh, advisor in college, and she was like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, listen, honey, what I want to do where the money, I, where I money, where the money is at. So once I figured out the advisor couldn't advise me, I had to take it into my own hands. And I was like, mm. where is the check going to be? Yeah. You know what I mean? And it turned out that it, it, Google, one Google search changed my life, but yeah. it did turn out um, that tech is pretty much one of the highest paid industries at the time I had graduated back in the yeah. day. So at that point, I had taken a job as a business analyst. So I didn't start off in tech sales. I just went and got, when I was graduating, everybody was like, you either going to be a developer or an analyst. That was like yeah. it. There was no college, anything notifying me that tech sales is even a thing. Um, and I went to Tyson Foods in Arkansas. So I moved from Tallahassee, Florida to Arkansas and, um, yeah, I was miserable. Like, I just did not like that role. I would call my parents crying every oh, yeah. day. This is, the, this is the business analyst role. Yeah, like, okay. and no shade to that because I don't want to discourage other people from feeling like, you yeah. know, being an analyst. Yeah. But that is, wasn't you. That wasn't that for wasn't you, That wasn't me. Yeah, yeah, like being very isolated, having limited. Some people like that. They like putting yeah. their headphones in and going to work yes. every day. I did not like that. So um, I made a call to a friend. I always wanted to live in Atlanta. And I was like, I really need to connect. And this is the power of networking. I was like, I really need to connect with somebody at a tech company in Atlanta. And she um, connected me with a friend named Jamal, who was part of the summit program at IBM. He had graduated from there. And within about five minutes on the phone with me, he's like, I don't know what you do, but you need to get into sales. Yeah. And from there, it just was the lack of information and then somebody providing that information to me that really led me to apply. Um, like I said, I went through eight interviews over seven months. Yeah. I ended up getting laid off from Tyson the week before I found out that I was going to get the job at IBM. That is, man, talk about divine time. Right. And That's when incredible. they laid me off, I was so happy because I wanted to get yeah. out of Arkansas so bad that I was just like, I know I'm getting this job at IBM. Yeah. So fast and I, IBM is not a, sh a shrimp company. They're no. a big the deal in tech. Oldest yeah, they are. Company. Yeah, because I remember way back when, and this is about to show how nerdy I am, way back when uh, 
Apple used to battle with IBM. Mm-hmm. And this is way back, way back. Way yes. back. It was Apple versus IBM. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Microsoft got into the right. game, but it was really Apple versus IBM. The and, I'm, and I'm not talking the 90s. We talking like the 80s. The 80s. Yes. Like we talking back, back. Yeah, I would say the 80s was like IBM's like thing, you know? Yeah. And even being at that company, just the amount of space research they've done, they're really, their patent game and research game is out of this world. Like IBM created like, the swipe on chips on cards, like being able oh, to swipe I didn't your card. Know that. The amount of stuff that has been patented and created yeah. at IBM is actually pretty nuts. But great door opener, I would say. Yeah. Being with the oldest tech company coming into like executives training me for sales was very pivotal, I think, into why I have also excelled, as you said, in such a short time into enterprise space. Man, so that's wild just the way that all of that worked out the way it orchestrated and i love you kind of sharing how you're like yo i didn't enjoy this uh this specific role yeah and yeah it's it, it's two two pieces why i love that one i love the fact that you look from a a practical level of like okay between communications and this it's like which one of these are paying well right you know <laughs> so you looked at the pay first which in my opinion i think if you're getting a job the first thing you should care about is the pay because the right. first thing they care about is the money you're gonna make them right so it's like okay you caring about the pay first but then also once you got in you realize yo this isn't for me so i enjoy the money but it's like Not i need something passion. that fits me better right. so i think that's valuable because people in my opinion you can tell me if you agree or disagree but in my opinion i do think that people should test something out 100%. See if it's for them or not. Because at the end of the day, it's like you can you do know. research, but sometimes you need experience to really see if it's for you. And then it's like be confident enough to be like, yo, this isn't for me. And I love how you touched on the networking component. Right. Uh, those in the Patreon community has been watching the stream all day with all the guests. That's Y'all been hearing networking all throughout the day. See, I know it's not just me. You've been seeing all the guests say networking. It is very uh, crucial. So like, you networking and then you learning about something new and then you pivoting and making that transition. And so in. that's fire. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. So. So you got into IBM, which is a, a very big deal. And so since you since then, you've worked at a variety of different tech companies in tech sales roles. I mean, first business, uh, first analyst or data analyst, but then a role that was like a sales engineering role, even though the title wasn't sales engineering. Yeah. So like, what, what's up it. with that? Like, what that. happened? I hated that. So you, all right. So you, you ain't, you ain't rock with the sales no. engineering. This yeah. is the thing. So when you, when, so IBM has shifted the way they like run their program now. But when I first got there, you, you had to choose technical, digital, or client exec. Okay. And at the time, to be a client exec, you had to have a master's coming out of school. So that yeah. was already off the table. So it was either digital sales or technical. And because I came from a technical background and really went to school for tech, hmm. they pretty much put me into the technical yeah. side. Like it wasn't really like a choice. And like at that point, I'm coming to IBM. I didn't really care what yeah. role you put me in. I'm trying to get in. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's also something I really encourage people to do is take a role that can get you in and land you somewhere. Yeah. A lot of people overlook that first role, but mm-hmm. I didn't stay there. Like, look at where I am now because I took that first role, you know? But yeah. um, so the program, you go through about six months of intensive training. Like, they fly you around the country and, like, send you to, Ooh, like, you get to train. Out. Yeah, you get, you, so first of all, you get the Amex and you get there. It was Ooh, like, oh, you get the Amex okay. and then you get flown out. Uh, so it was like, okay, you know, I definitely don't want to do anything other than this. Yeah, <laughs> um, for real. But 
it was like the perks that came with it. It made me feel like I was important a little bit. Like, yeah. dang, like you, you are, I'm about to do talking about. I'm about to do business for this company. You know, yeah. like it was like, yeah. okay, you're, I'm a you're like, I'm, I'm a consultant for, yeah. for IBM. Oh, I'm gonna go talk to billion dollar clients. Yeah. Okay. Like, okay. Like it was it was definitely given that. Um yeah. and yeah, it was just an all around great experience. And you get to train with tenured sellers like so mm-hmm. people who have retired from sales are who will train you yeah and you get tested like it's like you know how do you negotiate you'll be rated on that how do you open up mm-hmm. your discovery calls you'll be rated on that so every single week you move through the whole sales process mm-hmm. so i do believe that deep foundation is really what helped me to accelerate my career so quickly because once i landed i landed onto an enterprise team but that's because i went through the program you get what i mean so then okay I had to make a decision because I really didn't like that role. Like I really didn't. Like and it was, that, that was, it was a, that was a, so you were an enterprise sales engineer. Right. Sheesh. And the learning I mean, not, curve not title but the role right. though. But the yeah. learning curve essentially pretty much in between that and an archi- architect which is extremely yes. deep yes. and it's on mainframes which was just an area I was kind of like this is not Yeah, yeah a lot of y'all y'all heard me talk about being a solutions engineer yeah. which, which is what I've mainly done in tech up until recently but a solutions architect that's like Even a deeper. whole another thing yeah Yeah you have to know like infrastructures networks like how does this really deploy and intertwine in environments and I felt like Personally, for me, the learning curve was extreme for yeah. somebody just coming out of college with, you know, general like IT and like, you know, like your basic tech foundations. I may have taken like Java or a thing, few things, but we were displacing, um, displacing companies and replacing them with a whole software stack on mainframe. So not only did I have to understand our stack, but I had to understand understand what I was replacing. And it just got to the point where I was like, I want to be in front of customers. Like I want to be. The seller, like, you know, that's the the main relationship holder. Like, yeah. I was kind of like, I'm doing all the real gritty, like, work, yeah. you know? And I was like, look, this is not what I want to do. So yeah. it was crazy because when I went to my manager, she was like, please leave my team. <laughs> like, I, I would love for you to go into sales. You'll make way more money. Yeah. And that's where you belong. You know, I think it was her waiting on me to just be like, this is not a fit. So once again, having the courage to understand it's not a fit. That's okay. Mm-hmm. But at that time in my career, I'm at a big tech company. That's intimidating a little bit to yeah. even feel like I was comfortable enough to tell somebody, especially my manager, I may not like this role. You yeah. know what I mean? So one thing I do now yeah. um, realize, and I really value being at tech companies, is that you have the room to pivot wherever you want to yes. go. As long as you're a really good performer, one thing I've realized is whatever you want to do at a tech company if you have a sponsor internally to back you and say that this person performs at X level, yeah. you pretty much can make that move. And at mm-hmm. that point in my career, I really didn't have that knowledge because I'm just fresh out of school. I mean, my parents are immigrants. Like I didn't, I couldn't call my mom like, hey, you know, how should I make this pivot? At, oh, where where your, your um, family from? Uh, my mom's from Grenada and my dad's from Barbados, so I'm like a first generation oh, American, dope. I guess. Yeah, Yo, that's wild. Yeah, you first generation, <laughs> first American. generation college student, Messing all that. It up yeah, in a good way. I wanted to say something else, but <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll let Eric do all the cussing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm saved. <laughs> but um, yeah. So you know, from there, I became a BDR. So I had to take a step back. I went from enterprise selling. Yeah. To moving into a entry level in tech sales. Wow. Which was a major pivot. Yeah. But I became, I want to say I was always top five in the U.S. for IBM storage digital sales. Top five, but not five. But go ahead. (laughs) 
I was number two when I left. Not no, I never made it to number one at um at IBM, but definitely maintain that. Top I mean, five. two is not. That's not yeah. like no plate place. It's like not, that. but I'm really competitive. <laughs> like I strive to be number one in yeah. whatever sales organization that yeah. I I um I you know tend to land in, but. Yeah. From there, I knew, so at that point, I had to make a decision, right? Yeah. I'm like, I have to strategize. How do I get from sales engineer on enterprise sales, take a step back, go to this BDR position, and then pivot into where I want to be and what I envisioned myself, which, which was an enterprise account executive. Like, yeah. that was the goal. So I was like, okay, I crushed it at IBM, and I left. I was like, I have to go to a smaller company. I knew I had to do that. And a lot of people may stay there or like think the big companies are really easy to navigate but yeah. what you can do at a startup in two to four years will take you double the time at yes at a, a microsoft a ibm these amazons you're up against way more competition yes. you're up against a lot harder quotas it's just a lot more difficult and would you say and of course you can't you can't speak for all of everybody the no but, but would you say that at a bigger tech company versus a a startup generally speaking that at bigger tech companies, it's more like you're a number in terms of yeah, like in terms of you scaling because like you have less visibility because there are so, so many, many people. people. Um, I, I think it's a combination of being a number, but I also I knock on wood because we we said oh. that we said <laughs> so many people. I was like, what? <laughs> um, I think it's a combination, right? I think if you are a performer, you're gonna perform wherever you go. Mm, big facts. Like, yeah. if you number one at Microsoft or number one at a startup, you number one. So yeah. like. Is it harder to be number one at Microsoft? Yes. Yeah. But um, I just took a vacation. I was number one up until my birthday. Uh, yeah. But um, yeah, and that's also the thing with sales. You got to stay on it because it's a competition. So I took a full week off and I came back and other people like, you know, are ahead of me now. But yeah. um, it's a tough thing, especially I, when that quarter change. It's like right. it, it, it resets like, the clock. But I enjoy my birthday. I'm not worried about it. But um no matter where I go, I say I'm going to be the number one performer. And yeah. the reason I say that is because when I went to the startup, so I ended up going to One Trust, which is the fastest growing startup ever. So that wasn't either just like a startup. That yeah. was like, I got yeah. thrown right into the Because I know the about One Trust now, and they're a big deal now. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah, I was a two time number one performer at One Trust. Um, within the first two quarters, I was the number one uh, mm. person there. But I came in and my energy when I got there was you have to get back to where you just were. So it's a whole different motivation. Now I'm like, you know, at that point, I didn't understand how big of a company OneTrust is. I'm just thinking I left one of the biggest IBM. tech companies so in you're the world. Like I'm not looking. Like, oh. Yeah. But OneTrust gave me all of my selling experience because Ooh. I've never dealt with so much. I'm talking about like every day I'm having a customer call. You, you don't really have that experience. I would say at Microsoft, not IBM, a lot of sellers at Microsoft are definitely having everyday conversations with sellers, but to really get that type of experience on an enterprise level, and I didn't start at enterprise. I got promoted within six months there. I started as a large corporate enterprise. So okay. I took the, I actually didn't even believe in myself that much. I applied for a small middle business and they were like, we think your experience is a little better than that. I was like, okay. I'll take you that know, extra money. I'll take the large, uh, large corporate role. And within six months, I became an enterprise and I started managing enterprise and strategic deals there. So yeah. that was really a great experience. Um, combined with my manager, like he was, I just got really lucky. I keep, I'll say this is my second time just getting really lucky when it comes to management. That is 
also really important, like how well you're managed and how well these people can mm -hmm. advocate for you internally, you know? So um, yeah, just going to One Trust, crushing it. In my mind, um, it got conflicting though, because I loved being at One Trust. I still miss One Trust to this day, even though oh, I'm at Microsoft. Dang. Like that was probably my favorite place I've ever worked. Um, but she want to spin a block on One Trust. <laughs> but, one trust um, hit her line. One trust. Sliding like, her LinkedIn DMs. Um, one trust. No, I loved One Trust, and really, the decision to go to Microsoft was that Microsoft reached out to me. Yeah. So it was kind of like, do I turn the biggest? Microsoft, big, like yeah. Microsoft's the second biggest tech company in the world. It's kind of like, yeah. how do you turn down Microsoft coming to you like, hey, we're building a new team in Atlanta. We want you to be part of that. Hey y'all, we have some incredible, incredible news that I'm super excited about to finally announce our private tech community. Yes, yes, you heard that right. A private tech community exclusively for you all who want more than just the podcast. You want more than just the FAQs. You want to talk with tech recruiters. You want to talk with, with hiring managers. You want to talk with coaches. You want to talk with people that can help with editing and rewriting your resume. Maybe you're somebody where you just want to be a part of a community where we're talking about updates of what's happening in the software industry. Y'all, this community that we've launched is also going to involve a Discord where we're going to be talking about updates in tech. We're going to be talking about companies that are hiring. We're going to be talking about upcoming tech events. So that way you don't have to miss any of the gems that I know, but not even just what I know, but the gems that friends of mine that are also in the tech industry know as well. So if you want to be a part of that community, go ahead and sign up so that way you can join us. We have a few different tiers. Ultimately, it's all tuned in for you. Oh, and last thing, also within this community, we're going to be streaming all of our interviews with our podcast guests. So instead of you having to wait months to watch the videos later on, you will actually be able to watch the interviews in real time and ask your live questions to those guests. So make sure you join our tech community. And I actually, I'm not sure if this is the case at the time, because when, when, when were you at Microsoft? Like I got to time? Microsoft in um, October, so around like, End of August, September is when they reached out to me. It took about a month for me to like make that. Like what year? This year. Uh, Last like, year. Yeah, it's only, oh. I've only been at Microsoft so for number, about six months. So they're the number two tech company, but they're actually, a lot of people don't notice, I just found this out yesterday, they're actually the most valuable tech company. Biggest it was cap. It was Apple, mm -hmm. but Microsoft actually passed them in late 2022 for the, the, the largest. And so mm -hmm. a lot of people don't even know know that, like the Microsoft's number one now. Yeah, they That's have crazy. the strongest market cap when it comes to um, tech stocks, everything. Like, yeah. And being there, um, I see that. Like, one thing I will say about the startup is there's a lot of uncertainty. So, mm -hmm. you know, being in that environment versus leaving at IBM where it's like, oh, they've been around 100 years. I know I'm good here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's definitely a different feel when it comes to the certainty. Mm -hmm. But transparently speaking, I would say my base at Microsoft is higher, but the commission set up at OneTrust, don't sleep on the that startups. Don't sleep hit. on the startups. I'm telling people when I when people ask me about this all the time, I tell them do not sleep on the startups. Startups Man. give you accelerators. Yeah. They give you incentives to go out here and drive their solution on the market like it's nobody's business. So, mm -hmm. I mean, at at One Trust, you had the possibility to do 300% on your number. Whoa. Like, so, yeah. I'm one That's, of my one of my coworkers in small middle business did ninety four thousand in commission in, in ninety days. No cap. I tell you this. No cap. God, dog. Yo, I love that you said that, especially you being someone who you've worked at a lot of big tech companies. Mm -hmm. I mean, shoot, you named IBM, 
you name Microsoft. But for you to say, yo, I worked at these tech companies, like, learned a lot, gained a lot, all of that. But, yo, at the end of the day, like, yo, y'all sleeping on the startups. And I, I see a lot of people in, in my uh, in my uh, community because I'm not a recruiter, but we've kind of found ourselves with Texas New Black being, like, like in the middle between recruiters, but also being, like, consultants in a I way um, or career advisors. Right. And one of the things I've noticed is that people are just trying to go for the big fish. And it's like... Yo, not only will you have a higher probability of getting hired at a smaller company, a right. startup, but it's like also, like you mentioned earlier, it's like your ability to scale is significantly greater. Right. The experience, the things you'll learn will be like, it's a lot to it. But also it's like, I think the biggest thing people think about is they assume, oh, that's a bigger company. I'm going to get paid way more. Maybe, maybe. maybe. These big company, tech companies, do they put so much in place for you to hit your quota. It's like... They like even like basically like at Microsoft right now, like half of my uh, payouts like in commission is going to be through stock, yeah. which is cool. Like, I don't mind that. But I also just would have preferred to get my get money my and money invest now. it how I would like to invest yeah. it. You know what I mean? Not in a Microsoft stock necessarily, even though it's the strongest stock. There's I may have investment plays I just personally want to make and yeah. I don't want to have to sell that stock, get taxed on it and then reinvest it. Right. Exactly. So it's like. Depending on where you are, I feel like understand the package and do what works for you. Like a lot of people are really shooting for AWS or, you know, like Salesforce or like these huge companies where you might just have a better work life balance at a startup. You might make Mm -hmm. more money because there's more opportunity. There's not a million people trying to eat out of one pot. If that makes sense, you might just have a team of 10 people. Now imagine splitting all that money with 10 sellers versus 300 in my organization right now. Man. You know what I mean? Like, Sheesh. yes, they make more money, of course, but it's all relative. It's yeah. like, it's really how I like to look at it. Um, but I don't knock either. I think the stability I have at Microsoft, I mean, I have free health insurance. Like, I mean, that's that's kind of lit. I don't pay for health insurance. I get like- Is I that including dental and all that everything. stuff too? Yeah, yeah everything. no health wow. insurance. They give you like, I think six to 800 in the HSA um, a year. We're talking about like insane, my negotiation on the stock package is is cool. Like, I think I got like uh, around fifteen thousand a year in stocks coming in before any That's performance. Nice. Um, yeah, so it's it's also what you negotiate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And my base, I would say, is like mid mid one like one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like 130. My base is like 130. That's a good right that's now. a good base. Yeah. So, and that's like starting. So, as you can yeah. imagine, if I get promoted or something in the next few yeah. few months, it would so definitely You got your base, increase. you got your commission, you got your stock options. And then you have you stocks other... that come in on top of that. Yeah. And what I like about Microsoft is your stocks vest every 90 days after your first year, which a lot of tech companies Man. have you locked in and you don't get that money until it vests. Yeah, I've, after each year. So yeah, if I've been in somewhere. In it's a, like a couple. You have to. I've wait, been in yeah. somewhere. It's like you get this percentage if you're there after a year, mm-hmm. and then you get the rest after. And it's like, yo, yeah, yeah. So, so that's ninety days yeah. is crazy. But it's really cool. I can make up to forty four thousand a year in stocks just off my performance on top of fifteen. So easily a quarter million dollar package, like just walking in the door and about 75% of it is guaranteed before I even have to sell anything. So yeah, it's like it's crazy. that stability is definitely different than the startup. You know what I mean? Um, but like I said, more money, more work, like a lot more work. It's yeah. not easy to be number one here, like 
one trust. I'll put it that yeah. way. I'm definitely grinding. <laughs> so, man, so many people you said that I, I like have like a, a lot of respect for you. Just your mentality, you wanting to to be number one, things like that. I love the fact of not only you addressing the the data analyst, but also you addressing. Because I mean, again, my background in tech is primarily sales engineer. Right. And one of the things I've noticed is that. And I'm sure you've probably seen it too, where many, many times I'm a person, I don't necessarily tell people, oh, become a sales engineer. Mm -hmm. I try to point them to a few different routes and right. a few different options. But one of the things I've noticed is that most people that follow me, many of them try to become a sales engineer. And my first question would be, well, why do you want to be a sales engineer? Right. And when we really get down to the nitty gritty of it, it's because they know me and they're like, you're in tech, you seem to be doing good. I want to do what you did. Yeah. And it's like, yo, pump the brakes. You might not enjoy being a sales engineer. Right. Like, I enjoyed it, but it fits me. Right. But I know people that are in tech sales, and they're like, I would never want to do that. And yeah. I know people that are sales engineers, like, I would never want to, to do that thing. And it's like, I, I, you're the first person I've like I've had on that said out of their mouth, like, yo, I didn't enjoy that sales engineer yeah. stuff. And I love people hearing that because I love people hearing, okay, you know what? Let me pull back. Right. Somebody who's sitting here with Cyrus just said to Cyrus, yo, what you do is all right, but that ain't for me. Yeah. And hopefully it'll make people reconsider. And again, the goal isn't to scare anybody. The goal is to, to help people make like, better help decisions. them. Yeah. Be yeah. better career advisors than a career advisor you had. Yeah. Right? <laughs> when you no, were in school. Literally. And I think there's major differences in our role. Like, yeah. you know, like if you are somebody who's more technically astute in my, in, you know, like in my opinion, that's a, a great role. Like yeah. if you want to talk to customers about technical features, demo products, if that's your niche and you're great at that, you still have to have great presentation skills, yeah. great customer facing skills, but your focus is more on the technology. Yeah. My focus is on the business, right? Yes. Like the contracts, the money, that's what I'm focused on on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's what drives me. Like, I like the numbers. I like math. I like I like money. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, And I've, I've never <laughs> known how much the product has cost to any company I worked at. Right. And it's like, I'm like I've never known that because that's, not, your, that's it, not for me yeah. to know. But I would know a lot of the technical. I would know more about the product than than most of the tech sales yeah. people that I work with. So I like being the quarterback. That's how yeah. I think of myself. Like yeah. and y'all y'all are the quarterback. Yeah. Like I want to yeah. be the quarterback. You know, I'm a throw the ball to the receiver or run the ball or whoever I need to bring in or whatever I need to orchestrate so we can all make the play. That's how I'm looking at it. That's how I look at sales. Yeah. The sales engineer is coming in, but I tell everybody the sales engineer sells. You sell the product. Oh, yeah. yeah. We I sell the relationship. I sell the mm, business. You sell the product. That's the truth. So, like, people got to understand that. Because if my yeah. sales engineer sucks, I can't make business happen. I've had. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? It's a so team thing. Like, I've real. been a part of teams. So, as a sales engineer, I've, of course, I'm attached to the team of account executives that I work right. with. Or, or tech sales, sales reps, whatever. And there have been times where where account executives or sales reps that were with other teams, they didn't want to use their sales engineer. They would hit me up and be like, they would throw a demo on my calendar and I'd be like, did y'all go to y'all person? They'd be like, Cyrus, please, he sucks. Like, it's like, I'm tired of close, losing deals, deals. because he doesn't deals. know how to demo. So it's not just me. Like I can't just close the business. Yeah. I can't just close the business. I, it really takes synergy. When I was making yeah. that type of money, I had a really good synergy. Like it yeah. was like, me and my partner, like I had a, it was me and another account executive and one um, one sales engineer because yeah. we sold like kind of like a dual product, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But I was in, so when I was at OneTrust, I was a data governance executive. So what I was doing is I was helping companies to protect our sensitive information. So mm -hmm. how do we, you know, scan into an infrastructure, understand what data lives in there and what is highly sensitive? You mm -hmm. got a credit card, you go to Walmart, you swipe it. 
Cyrus's name, your your whole card, your expiration, all that is living somewhere once yeah. you do that swipe. So how do you know that's actually protected? Where does it live once mm-hmm. it goes there? This is like the conversation I was having. But my counterpart, he was selling the privacy solutions. So like, okay. how does the organization, organization take that data now and remain audit compliant? Like, how do yeah. you you know, build this into your other processes within your organization. So we had to have a really good synergy because we're trying to sell the whole solution. We're exactly. not just trying to sell just one part. my part you or do yours. Both parts. Yeah. We killed it. Like, it was yeah. just like magic. Like, you know, yeah. so I, I also Voila. think being a Magic. great team player is a really great skill and characteristic to have in tech sales um, because it's extremely competitive. You're like definitely up against your quota and your number, mm-hmm. but you can't really make that happen unless you are a team player and understand how to facilitate the team that you need. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was really dope experience. I would say that. Yo, for everybody who is listening and you're thinking that you're interested in a career in tech sales, I suggest you check out Course Careers. Course Careers is a tech boot camp that you can do entirely from home. It's entirely virtual and it's self-paced. So that means you can knock it out in as early as two weeks or even take a few months if you need to. Now, the really cool thing about Course Careers is that they're actually partnered with multiple tech companies that are hiring their students right after finishing the program. The great thing about Course Careers is that with those partnerships, they're able to guarantee you jobs with some of their partner companies. Now, beyond that alone, the other cool thing we want to tell you about them is that Course Careers is actually only $500. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. But since we've partnered with Course Careers, they're offering our audience a discount of $50 off that already low price. So make sure you use our discount link that we have below. So that way you can take advantage of that $50 off that already low price. Do Course Careers at your own pace and let us know what job you end up getting from it. So, oh man, got a few questions on here. You, you you have you got my mind going like Sorry. a thousand different. Hours. No, no, yeah. no, it's it's a good thing. No, I definitely enjoy it because I mean I, I like to have like conversations I actually enjoy. Um, so, so if you could just give some tips on how people can be consistent top performers, because again, like you you've I mean you've done a lot in just eight years. You've done a crap ton. And I mean, again, senior level enterprise tech sales, top performer. How have you been able to do that? You know, I know you mentioned a little bit of networking. You mentioned, of course, like work. But like, what are some tips or advice you can give to somebody who doesn't just want to get in the industry, but they want to be a top level performer? I studied like sales. You know okay. what I mean? Sales is an art, in my opinion. Like sales is really understanding emotional intelligence. It's mm-hmm. understanding like personas of individuals, like how someone comes on the phone, like simple things. Like I don't really, there's certain phrases I may not use. And this came with learning and tuning. And um, I also am very, very accountable as an individual. Um, So for example, I told my manager when I first got to Microsoft, I said, if I'm not number one, you need to call my phone Mm. and let me know right now. And what did she do last week? She called my phone and said, what's going on? You're yeah. not number one right now. You know what I'm saying? She was like, I know you took your birthday break. You're about to go to Seattle on Monday. You got two weeks to hit your number this month. So, you know, I need you to step up right now. And I went up this week. Like, that's that's Yo. how I am. Like, I'm like, yeah. Like, I tell my management, like, this is my goal is mm. to be number one. Like, I'm yeah. coming into any organization with that energy. So, and I manifest. Like, I'm really big on manifesting. And that's like a whole nother topic outside of this. But 
I speak that into existence. Before I got to Microsoft, you can go on my YouTube, my blogs, I was telling them I'm going to be a number one performer there. Yeah. Like I have that mindset that that's just gonna happen for me and it does repeatedly and I think it's because I believe that I should be number one. Yeah. I don't believe anybody else should be number one because if I'm not number one, that means like I'm lacking in some area that yeah. I can fine tune. Um, but I would say the main things, like I said, is studying sales, read some books on sales, read, mm -hmm. listen to people who are top sellers. What are their methodologies on how they communicate with customers, how they respond to people? How do you send emails and marketing? How do you keep perfecting that? Yeah. Like, you know, do you do A-B testing with your marketing? Are you, you know, trying to hit a certain number? Like. If you get a number, you should be trying to beat that number because you'll fall on that number. You low-key you know? sound like the Kobe of, of Texas. <laughs> like, <right now>. so, <laughs> I like Mamba mentality. And I think I was an athlete. I ran track. So okay. I think a lot of this stems just from my life. Um, I've been highly competitive like in my lifetime. So, yeah, um, yeah just not... You know, something somebody told me at IBM um, before I left was... One, there's two quotes that I really live by. If you don't believe in yourself, why should anybody else? One, that's Ooh. one of the biggest quotes that I live by. If I don't believe I could be number one, why would anybody else think I could be number one? Yeah. Like, that's the energy I should have when that's I wake real. up. Um, and two, somebody told me, your professionalism is a reflection of you. So if you don't care about it, that says a lot about how you feel about yourself. Wow. Yeah. And I'll never forget that. Because I asked him, I was like, how come you're just so professional? Like, why do you care, like, so much? And he was like, why don't you care? Ooh. Why don't you care about what you do every day and what you wake up to put in the effort to do? Like, why half-ass it? Like, why yeah. give 75% of it, you know? Yeah. And the more that I've had that mentality, the easier it becomes to be number one because most people don't come in with that mentality. Yeah. They just don't. Like, they're just, like, I just got a job. I'm just going to perform. Whereas I'm like, no, I want to be the number one performer. Yes. You know, and it reflects and management sees it and VP sees it. And that's how you accelerate as an individual as well. Like I just got chosen out of 10 people who've been hired in the past six months to go to headquarters in Seattle to now go for a week to meet with executives. So then that opens the door now mm -hmm. to way more opportunity. And then having the African-American representation, I'm already a black woman. So there's nobody else typically like on yeah. the team that's like me. It just you have to like look at all these things and take them into consideration and say, I have these tools. How do I utilize them to my advantage? Yeah. I'm a black woman. I'm the biggest minority in this space and I'm mm -hmm. outperforming white men. <laughs> like, yeah, there's going to be seen. It's going to be oh, talked definitely. about. <laughs> it's just definitely. nothing else. So the more that registered in my mind and then. The reaction when it first happened, let me know everything I needed to know. Yeah. It was like... What was the reaction like? I mean, you got white men, like, they're they're like, this girl, <laughs> like, this girl did this, you know? And yeah. then being a girl, sales is very male-dominated. Yeah, it is, yeah. So I'll get on the phone with a customer and, like, it's just a lot easier to talk to males as a female, personally. It, I, I think a lot of advantage. women don't realize like, how... Yeah. <laughs> I, I, there are a lot of women who are... They're, they're like, I don't want to... They're like, I don't, I'm not sure I don't want to do tech sales. I'm like, well, why don't you, is it because you don't want to do it? Or because they're like, they're like, I'm not sure if like I'll be good at it or I don't. I'm like, you don't understand that, that women, generally speaking, women have like a skill 
did, did men, like men, we, we, we sometimes have to like ex- exert like a certain level a of ego. aggression. It's an ego, an ego thing. To, like, like with women, y'all have these. When two men get on a call, yes. it's like, I'm the smarter one. Like, it's yes. like this thing, whereas I'm just like, how can I help you or better understand your needs today? Yeah, it's like, like how catering. can I, like, you know, it's a very different energy. And my manager yeah. will always laugh because like, yeah. he would get chewed out on a call and I can call the same customer with a different tone a whole different yeah. energy and get what I want out of a customer. Yeah. Like I used so, to love demoing with uh with the sales rep that was a woman. woman. Yeah. And it was like cuz the way they could talk to the the customers was so and and, it, and it's using the femininity, like still yeah. being a sales but like using like that femininity, like right. that like using that skill set. I've seen energy. the men get weak and be like They'll just be like, yeah, so we're going to set up the next right. call and Literally. we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And they would just assume everything and they'll be like, yeah, sure. And they'll be like, so do you want to go with like the cheaper package or are you going to go for like the full thing? Yeah. And they'll be like, we're going to go for the full thing. No, <laughs> it's like, literally. It's like, yo, we're going to go for the full thing. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's just, it's just that. And then I think also like being like a young person in tech, when I start to articulate myself a certain way and, and exert my value around technology, mm-hmm. That alone, I always tell people to be really great, you need to be an expert. Like, I don't like getting on my calls. Like, I don't know the answer to that. Like, even if I'm not the sales engineer, I still listen to what you're saying because I don't want to always have to call you or depend on you to, like, answer my customer questions. The best thing is active listening. I tell people this all the time. The Mm. key to selling is just shut up. Just shut up. Let them talk. Mm. This was one of the biggest gems that was dropped on me very early in my sales career was the less you talk the more information you're getting from the customer mm-hmm. the more you're talking the sales call is not going well yeah you are you're talking too much i'm not saying don't ask um you know you want to ask questions that uncover challenges with your with your customers but once i ask that question i'm not cutting you off i'm not jumping in yes i'm letting you give me what i need I'm taking a second to process. I'm taking notes actively, which is really important. I always tell people, be very proactive with your note taking because that's how you go back and strategize. Mm -hmm. Right? Like I said, I like being the quarterback. So now I know what play to run the Mm -hmm. next time I talk to you because I listen to you. And there's just things that people miss that are very, very important, I feel like, in sales. Um, And and it could be like you were in sales for 10 years, but you just haven't mastered certain skills Mm -hmm. that uncover help you negotiate, help you really like ask those tough questions. Sometimes it's really tough to ask certain questions yeah. on a customer call, you know? So yeah. it could be like uncomfortable questions sometimes. Right. Have to ask and them. it's like, how do I go about that? How do you handle objections? Do you get upset? Can your customer, you know, see that you're like, you may be a little upset that they're not, you're resisting, you know, like it's, it's, it's just so, so much more personal being personable to me than selling and I consider myself like an advisor to my clients more than a, a seller. Like, I'm not selling you anything. You have a problem, and we could either be the fit or not. Like, I'm not really selling you anything. Like, if I don't feel like it's a fit, I'm not going to push that on the yeah. customer. Because that they can pick up that energy. Like, yeah, definitely. You know? Yeah. So, I would say that's really what I personally feel like has really helped me elevate my career is treating this as... I'm talking to another person when I get on the phone. Like, that's just it. Like, I'm yeah. not talking to a CEO or a CISO, I'm talking to somebody who's really busy, Mm -hmm. has a problem, has a lot of KPIs they need to hit internally, Mm -hmm. has their management on their ass. So how can I make your life easier today, Mm -hmm. right? So like when I approach the problem from that perspective, it's like, 
oh, I actually enjoyed talking to Kayla like today. You yeah, know what exactly. I mean? Like, so yeah. Yeah, you dropped so many bars. Uh, I'm like deeply appreciative of a lot of the things you shared. I mean, even a component of like today, we see a lot of people who they there are a lot of people they like have big dreams, big goals, but then they just expect it to just be handed to them. Yeah. I love how you have big dreams, big goals. So you you know you're not thinking you're not thinking small at all. You thought thought big. I'm thinking about I'm always thinking about that audio. You think it's small. You need to think big. But I, I love I, that. <laughs> that. I love that about one. you. But also, I think the other end that people miss out on. There are a lot of people that don't have that grit, that work ethic. And then there are people that have grit and work ethic, but they're not making tweaks. You also speak, spoke about how you're making tweaks. You're doing things outside of your job to learn more about learn more about sales. And also you use certain you've seen your strengths, you, your strengths as a woman, as a, as a black woman, as you, Caleb Burks, just individually. Yeah. And you use those to your advantage. And I love that about you. And I really hope people are absorbing all the things you're sharing. Uh, so. Uh, I have one last question on here. Uh, for those of y'all in the uh, Patreon community that are tuning in right now, if y'all got questions, make sure y'all putting them in the chat right now. Because uh, after I ask this question, after she uh, answers this, we're going to get to your questions and then we're going to wrap up. So, been in this industry eight years. You've been killing it, making a big bag, scaling up big tech companies, small tech companies, all of that. What are you doing? How are you leveraging tech whether you're brand in tech or the, the income that you're making, like what are you doing in terms of side hustles or things outside of tech? So um, initially, like, so I invest one. Like I have mm -hmm. like, you know, a 401k. I have life insurance, VULs. I have like, I don't know a bunch of stuff, right, that I invest mm -hmm. in um, stock portfolios. And that's just more like passive, like long-term things that I'm thinking about when yeah. I think about that. Um, but one, social media is, as you know, like we kind of are in the same space. So yeah. social media is definitely one of my side hustles that I would talk about. Um, but it's more of a passion for me. Um, I think that I definitely just enjoy helping people and speaking life into people is something that I feel like I'm very, very good at. Like I just started to notice like everybody always come to me like, yo, what should I do with my life or what should I do? And it just started to click to me like you already naturally give people advice on all this stuff. You should definitely monetize it and set definitely. up structures around it. And um, like I, like you said, realizing what I was doing and the space I was in and looking around, like there was nobody else online really. Like now there's a huge wave of like all these tech girls. But two years ago when I started this, I would say like in Atlanta, like I didn't really know that many girls who were just tech girls just hopping yeah. online. Like It's still and, a new thing. It is a yeah, new thing. Yeah, and too. I was like, you are yourself like you you're lit you know on the weekends you have fun i still live a very normal fun life for my age and yeah. how do you show people that you can be authentically yourself and still have a career like this mm -hmm. because it was a misconception that you have to be a certain way or you're yeah. boring or nerdy or whatever it is you know to be in tech and i realized that but outside of that i've had multiple businesses like i've had airbnb units um i've done um, my biggest baby that I stopped because I wanted to focus on more of a tech side hustle mm -hmm. because I felt like it was pulling me in two directions. But I started a hookah company here in Atlanta two years oh, ago called word. the Sky High Club. And yeah, I was making more money than work, working like it, doing hookah in Atlanta. Okay, um, and I was able to scale a team. Um, I got contracted to like Harold's um, on the South Side. And then yeah. I was I had an online. It started with an e-commerce. I just started selling um smoking like i was just in bed one day like doing analytical research like literally like just doing things i do in the middle of the night but um 
I was like researching like analytics on like Amazon products. And instead of running it on Amazon, I was like, well, now I have the source on like these analytics on how many people want this product. I'm just going to push it myself and cut out the middleman, yeah, exactly. which is Amazon. So I started an e-commerce business and the more pop-ups I would do in Atlanta, everybody was like, well, why do you have all these hookah accessories or smoking accessories, but you don't actually serve hookah? Mm. And it hit me like I was like, why wouldn't I just go pay for one set inventory and make all this money off of one initial yeah. investment, which probably was like, I want to say I probably spent 2500 to start my hookah company. Wow. That's a steal. I mean, yeah, a hookah wholesale is about anywhere from 50 to $70. And what do you pay when you go to a lounge to smoke hookah? 50 to $70. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Whoa, that's the truth. So, yeah, I felt Dang. like I was like Pablo Escobar at the, at the moment. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> Pablo Escobar. Yeah, I was like, okay, like, this is literally like an epidemic in my community, like, right now. Like, it is literally every <laughs> no, the, corner. The hookah thing is, it is, is on every thing. corner, it is everywhere. And yeah. I started doing private events. And, like, to this day, people will call my phone, like, yo, you wanna come do an event? So, I was collecting, like, in four to five hours, I could make two bands. Dang. Four hours. And so get, imagine get, getting, doing getting that a tech bag in the day and a hookah bag at, at night. night. Yeah. So like at that point, I wasn't really advertising tech online. Like I was yeah. just, you know, on Instagram and yeah, yeah, it, it, it just didn't made sense. It didn't the numbers, like I said, I'm a numbers girl, like yeah. the analytics, I'm all about numbers. So for me, it was just logical. It was like, why am I going into every lounge on the weekend spending $75 to go smoke hookah when I could be the person making 75 a head and a I head. know people are going to get three hookahs, four hookahs at a table at one moment. Yeah, exactly. It just, no, it was like mind-blowing. That mind makes blowing. perfect sense. And I, it just took off so quickly. I don't have to pay for a lot of hookahs. I ain't never, I'm, I'm not a hookah <laughs> person, but I've been out plenty of times. Somebody like, I want some hookah. And I'm right. like, I guess, it gives, how much is the hookah here? $80. And <sighs> that's the other thing. I just had to talk to the guys once again, because girls don't really have to pay for their hookah. Yeah. So I'm just like, she wants a hookah. <laughs> like, you yeah. know? Oh, that, that's what always so happens. Like, they, they, they'll skip over me and be like, they'll go to the girl, you want a hookah? Right. And I'll be like, you know I'm the one who's got to pay. And they'll right. be like, okay, cool. Okay, cool. she want a hookah. You yep. like, okay. Yeah, we, okay. we got to the point where we were straight thugging with it. We was like, we don't got no change. <laughs> Hundo, thanks. It's Aubrey. We was mobbing. And I had my friends. It was it was such a fun business because it's like, then I got my friends who was in tech sales with me too. They hustling too. So I'm like, yo, y'all want to come work with me on the like, weekend? It's like y'all be selling the selling CEOs and, yeah. and, and senior no, level and executives. I got, booked, so. I got booked for FAMU's homecoming. I got booked for um, my first weekend. This is And this is to tell y'all how I am. Like, I, told, I, I booked a festival, the first event I ever had. I was so Dang. in over my head. I was just like, yeah, I could do this. Yeah. Yeah, I got experience. I'm, I'm we gonna figure, do this. I'm gonna we gonna out. do this. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, I did like FAMU's homecoming. I did like really massive events. Like I was getting contracted to stuff that was wow. like insane. So yeah. I'm like, it got to the point where I was just like, I didn't have, I didn't even have a moment to breathe. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was like, am I gonna leave my everyday tech job and do hookah? Yeah. And then I evaluate, I just stepped back and I was like, one, I don't want to smoke hookah like this all day, mm -hmm. every day. You know, you got to pull it and do a lot. Um, two, it was a very labor, laborish job. I'm somebody who yeah. works on a computer. So this is a whole shift in what I'm doing. Um, and then three, like you said, like just identifying your purpose. I'm like, that's not really purposeful. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was more it's like- It's not making an uh, impact yeah. or- Yeah, so now I can make 
the same amount online. Yeah. Helping people, you know. Yeah, getting helping this industry. Helping people to get into tech. Yeah, freedom. so now it's just kind of like I pivoted and I was like, let me reevaluate and whatever side hustle I do next has to intertwine with my day job yes. so that I'm not pull, pulled in two different directions. Exactly. So, that's yeah. wisdom. That's wisdom. Yeah. Man, that's that's super good. And I, I love that you do that. I definitely encourage, I mean, if it fits you, I encourage people to do the same thing. Obviously, y'all know, obviously, I have a tech brand. Uh, so if you're that kind of person, I encourage y'all to do it as well. Because I'm a type of person, I've, I've noticed in this space, there are some people that are very, there are literally people who have told people like, oh, I don't want to work with him. I don't want to go on his podcast as a guest because I'm trying to copy what he's doing and do the same thing. I'm like, copy what I'm doing, do the same thing, and we can we can collaborate. We right. can we can cross pollinate because at the end of the day, we're gonna help more people. Right. It's like everybody isn't gonna watch Tech as a New Black. Like everyone isn't gonna watch. You know, shouts out to Big Tech Energy, other tech podcasts. It's like it's like yo, we can all help people. And all of us get a bag, get brand deals, all those things at the end of the day. Uh, so I love what you're doing, and I encourage people to uh, tap in with her. So we are over time, so we do have to uh, jump to the uh, to the questions that we have in the chat from the Patreon community. So question that we got from the Patreon community are asking our guest, Kayla Burks. They're asking, yo, Kayla, does your day look like a technical nine to five where it's just that's the you have the same structure every day, or does it vary day by day? Um, I would say it's, it's pretty routine you know what i mean i would say your onboarding experience is going to differ no matter what company company you're at so now that i've surpassed like my onboarding experience coming to microsoft i pretty much work nine to i would say six six thirty like i still put in like an extra hour after work just because like you know like you wake up you might make some breakfast you don't really always start at 9 a.m so I, I also give myself that time back like you know like so it just depends on the day some days i might finish earlier i might have all my account planning and just need to like blast out some emails you know it really depends on the needs of the day but yeah i would say there's been times in my career where i may have had to get certificates do extra learning yeah i'm up till nine ten o'clock that night you know but there's yeah. other times where i really got nothing to do but just go to work every day and if i'm doing well or if i'm at my number you know i'm not really like stressing after work i'm definitely but in the beginning of my career i did put in a lot of time yeah. after work and i think that's a major thing like i am at the point of where I want to be. I'm thinking of how do I get out of sales now into more like the management? Like I'm trying yeah. to now elevate the ladder in corporate America and yeah. become a VP or an executive in the next like I would say five years to be I honest. mean I mean that's that's definitely your trajectory. Right. I mean, so I mean, shoot, you're already now it's level. like a different focus. Cause is know? there is there a principle there's not a principle level in uh I guess strategic in tech sales. Is it? Yeah, strategic, strategic but at Microsoft that's very, very limited. Like yeah. I feel like after this or strategic um, what I'm personally thinking about is actually moving into like program management because mm -hmm. program management is actually internally being able to do a lot of selling like to executives, buy-ins on budgets and learning how the business executes on programs. So trying to tap in. I don't know what I want to do yet, but I'm thinking of that because I want to land somewhere else that can give me that experience to now move into an executive track. So that's kind of where I'm at. So if you see me get out of tech sales, it's because I'm trying to elevate now and not yeah, exactly. get stuck in sales because after sales some people want to stay there forever yeah it really depends you know so that's what i would say what else we got eric uh we got what are your thoughts about working for tech unicorns as an sdr do those companies tend to be in business for a long time like you know like i mentioned throughout the interview i don't knock startups and i think as an sdr you should be trying to get your foot in the business your goal as an sdr and bdr in my opinion is to learn what tech sales is because you're just prospecting 
You're not actually selling yet. So it's like, take that opportunity to shadow your sellers. Like, wherever you are, take it as a learning lesson and a learning step, because that's what I did. I left an enterprise role to go into a, a BDR role because, you know what I mean? Like, I wanted the experience. And hunting is a really, really crucial skill in sales. So um, I don't know if they last long. It would depend on the company. That's, that's kind of like a very difficult question to answer just vaguely like that. But... I would say I think you should be open to any opportunity that you can find when you're starting out. And from there, you crush it. Because once you crush it, if you go to Microsoft and tell them, hey, I was at a startup and I did 200% on my quota consistently for four quarters, they're going to hire you. For real. For real. Like, that's what they want to know is like, what did you do in sales more than where were you at? You know what I mean? Yeah, I want to I want to double down on what she said. So one, like, amen to everything she said. Uh, two, to kind of go further, yeah, don't have the mentality that if you're afraid, if you think, oh, this company might not be around long, really, you only need the company to be around another six months to a year, which the company, if they're hiring you right now, yeah, they they're hiring you at least knowing that they have a, a runway of money for the next year to two years. So like she mentioned, take the role, kill it at the company, but while you're killing it at the company, also be networking outside of your company building up that that those connections so that way if your company starts to fail or something weird happens you already have a network and you have those metrics like she mentioned because you've been killing it and that way you can speak to those metrics and you'll have a a, a plethora of companies that'll accept you with open arms right and make sure your linkedin is optimized because yes. i don't look for jobs anymore like, yeah. I don't like <laughs> you got them it's like DMs, very difficult like, when people up? ask us stuff like that though because it's like i don't really search for jobs yeah. jobs find me now yeah so you know so Put yourself in position to not have to search for a job. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? One trust laid off quarter of the company and three weeks later I was like, yeah, well, I'm going to Microsoft. You know what I mean? Because I put myself in a position to always keep my LinkedIn up to date and yes. I always have on, um, what is it called? Like searching Op for- Open to work. Yeah. Open and the reason work. I do that is to always make sure I'm getting the right price paid where I'm at. Yes. Like I need to know that the salary I'm being compensated if you come in my my DMs, think about it. If I hopped in your DMs, like, hey, you want to make 300K and you're making 150 right now, you're going to be like, shoot, well, I might need to consider exactly. why I'm making 150 where I'm at. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's the networking part is very crucial to you, like, maintaining where you are, but also understanding and planning your next move, I think. 